Welcome to our Drink a Book podcast, where we drink wine and talk about books. This is Lauren. Lynn. I'm Lee. It's Marie. And this is Joe. for our 28th book club meeting, which is crazy. We just had our pizza and dessert, and we're drinking some of our favorite wines. Lauren brought Bumble and Bloom Riesling, which was really good. I liked it. It was really tasty. Where did you say you got it? World Market. Nice. Mm. It has a really cute label on it with, like, flowers and California wine. Super cute. And we have from Lee Ferrante Riesling from one of our sort of local wineries, vineyards in Geneva, Ohio, which we love that is in the regional section at all of our grocery stores. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of our common favorites that we usually like to have at book club. Tastes delicious. (laughs) So this month, the genre and the book pick were both mine. I picked... For the genre, books about feminism or books centered around women, because at least at the time we're recording this, tomorrow is International Women's Day, so we're celebrating (laughs) with our favorite podcast ladies and a feminist book. Um, We don't know when this will come out. If it ever comes out, it might not be (laughs) International Women's Day, so just imagine that it's going to be March 8th tomorrow. 2020. Yeah. Okay, so as a reminder, we read Shrill over the last month, um, which has been exciting to read. I think we all enjoyed it. I guess maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, (laughs) Instead of reading the back of the book to save a little uh, time of you having to listen to me reading aloud, not that you don't like that, but it can get boring, I'm sure. Instead, I'm going to read uh, a little blurb from the front of the book that is talking about, you know, what they what they think, you know, the recommendations at the beginning. So I'm reading the one that NPR uh, listed in their best books of 2016, and it says, Lindy West's memoir is a witty and cathartic take on toxic misogyny and fat shaming. She comes to accept her body just as internet trolls congregate en masse to try to rip this new confidence from her, but she's rearing to fight back. In Shrill, West is our fat, ferocious, and funny, avenging angel. Nice. Yes. And a reminder to everybody at this point, if you haven't read Shrill and you want to wait until you have, stop listening because we're going to start talking about what happens in it. All right. So for this book pick, the rating on Goodreads is a 4.20. So still sticking to our higher ratings of books. (laughs) And I have a five-star review from Emily from Goodreads. She says, this should be required reading for everyone who is alive right now. Lindy West is just so smart and so interesting, and she writes about phenomena that are happening in our current society so well. She writes about being a fat woman, about having an abortion, about how her weight has affected her relationships with people, about being verbally abused online, about losing her father, and my favorite, being a woman in comedy. Just please read her book. Um, I have a one-star review from Goodreads. Um, This is from Brian, and this is what he has to say. Expletive. Unnecessary parenthetical side note. Footnote. Expletive. Period. Fat. Expletive. (laughs) I hate everyone and everything. Expletive. I appreciate that Miss West took the time to write a, air quotes, book. Part of my total dislike of it is me. I expected it to be funny. That is not what I found. Part of it is her. It's aggressive and angry, which is fine, but that's all I found it to be. Well, it was didactic too. She's fat and okay with it. It is brought up so many times that it feels like she's convincing herself. It gets old fast. I found this style obnoxious and amateur. This just wasn't for me. She didn't seem to have a positive thing to say or a solution to problems. It was just a self-indulgent rant. Oh, Oh, Brian. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, rolling my eyes over you. Yes. So I love when I get to read the one story because everyone just attacks them and they're so much shreds. How much do you want to bet this is a white uh, yeah. male? Yeah. 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 He is who picture. totally yeah. missed the point yeah. of yeah. the entire book. Which wow. is like what this book is about, kind of. Uh, Guys yeah. not understanding and not getting it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he had um, 16 people liked his comment. Just, just oh, wow. Nice. So 16 other men. white guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh. Man. Honestly, that's like so telling because a lot of this book is about the trolls Lindy mm-hmm. West has had online. That's been like a huge part of her story. And she originally, she worked like as a columnist or for the um the seattle newspaper the stranger and then from there she was a staff writer for jezebel which i love i i read jezebel Mm -hmm. frequently and i didn't realize that she was a writer i didn't really know anything about her Mm -mm. but it turns out like a lot of the things i knew that have happened in the past like five or so years about like comedy and like rape jokes um, like there was this article that she wrote about how rape jokes need to be like obviously um, not a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> um, and she did this debate with this com- like comedian about like are rape jokes like allowed or are they offensive? And like I didn't realize she was at the root of all that. Like mm-hmm. I knew that like the culture had been changing mm-hmm. because of female comedians, and I just thought that was really cool that she's kind of the one who. Mm-hmm. It's like spearheaded all of that. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing when I was reading. I didn't know that, yeah, that she yeah. had such a big influence mm-hmm. on this conversation that's yeah. happening now. Mm-hmm. And now her book is also a Hulu original series, which is really cool. I definitely want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. I've been hearing a lot about it, like a lot of good things about it. So mm-hmm. I really want to watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I was also listening to this other book podcast called What Page Are You On? It's really good. I've only listened to half of the very first episode, but it was really funny because their first episode, they talk about Shrill in the episode, which was really cool. Their first episode is called Fat Books, so they talked about a bunch of different books with either like fat authors or the cultural stigma with being fat or books, fictional books with fat characters, but they had a lot to say about it too, which if you're into book podcasts, definitely check them out. Yeah, I'll listen to that. So what did everybody think of the book? I really liked it. it. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought, oh, sorry. (laughs) That's okay. I was just going to say, I thought she kind of put into words things that I had felt or noticed, but I didn't know how to put into words myself. Totally. So it was kind of, it was really neat to just read that like, oh, like you're not alone. Like other Mm -hmm. women are feeling this way too about everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. I agree. I really liked her writing. Mm-hmm. I did too. I just felt like it was so easy to read. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously I agreed with everything she was saying, but just it was so easy to read, and it was definitely a page-turner for me. Mm-hmm. And just she was very, I don't know, it felt like she was your friend. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's, it's hard to put into words exactly what I mean in terms of her writing, but it's so casual, but... Like, intimate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was but easy still, to, like, well-spoken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I felt like it was easy to relate to her, even with some of the things she was talking about, like, I'm not fat, I'm not a comedian, but I still was able to, like, relate mm-hmm. to what she was talking about and connect with what she was saying, which mm-hmm. I think takes some skill if you're talking about experiences that not all of your readers have yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. it still felt really relevant even though the book was from like four or five years ago it got published oh it felt completely yeah yeah Mm -hmm. what is it it was 2016 2016, i think i didn't even look at oh the first page tells you yeah because it was yeah she said she wrote it right after the election Mm -hmm. yeah that's right yeah Yep. Which is interesting, because when it first started, I thought it was going to have, like, a huge political focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I was starting to read, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then I was like, oh, it's not what this book is about. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't in a bad way. It just yeah. took a curve in a different direction than I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I really liked especially the beginning. I thought it was, like, really funny. Mm-hmm. And a lot of yes. the stuff she was saying, like, oh, my God, when she was talking about the 
media characters and like how somehow mm. in Beauty and the Beast, like Mrs. Potts is 107, but oh, her I'm son is four. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's so true. Like, yeah. that's so weird. But you don't notice it. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that that part was really funny, like mm-hmm. the connections she was making to like pop culture and mm-hmm. the media that we all grew up seeing mm-hmm. and how like women and especially fat women were portrayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, it's just a book. It's just a movie. It's just like, no, that's what yeah. you're consuming. That's what you're looking at. That's like. Exactly. It, and we all it. internalize that. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find the words I wanted to say. But. And she mentioned that on page 78 that representation matters. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. so huge. And I feel like now people are finally realizing that. And when we were growing up, that just didn't matter to anyone. Yeah. If right. People in the margins were represented in right. the media. Right. Yeah. I really liked how towards the very beginning, she made clear that issues around our culture and fat phobia are a feminist issue. Like it's totally Mm -hmm. intersectional. Mm -hmm. It goes back to having autonomy over your own body. Like I, obviously I knew that fatness and feminism were overlapping in a lot of ways, but again, like you said, Lauren, she put it into words that like I hadn't been able to express before Mm -hmm. that like it is a body autonomy issue. Like it should not, my body should not be politicized. Like no one else should have control over my body except me. Mm-hmm. Like, hello, that's like, duh, right. this isn't rocket science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that it's so gendered, like if you're fat and you're a woman, the treatment you get is so much different than if you're fat and you're a man. Right. I mean, yes. how many like funny or star castings of maybe like overweight men are there in movies, but they're like getting the girl yeah. or considered like a hero and their weight is not it's not an issue it's yeah. not a thing like it is with a woman yeah for sure I also thought it was really cool how she is so confident and just like made the decision that that's the kind of like approach she was gonna have mm-hmm. where it's so hard even for me to have that outlook but it she almost verbalized that like in a way, it was almost easier for her to do it because she has these non-privileges working against her where she just had to decide, like, if I'm going to have a happy life, I just have to, like, fuck everybody else and do mm-hmm. what's best for me, basically. But I thought it was, like, it really spoke to me that she just, like, it kind of snapped for her that she was going to decide to live her life that way. And obviously, she still, like has feelings and Mm -hmm. doesn't like it when people are discriminating against her but I just really liked that whole thread throughout the book of like I felt like she gave subtle but like advice for me like she modeled for me how to do Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. in a way you know like who gives a shit what like why do I place so much importance on the way I think other people perceive me mm-hmm. or judge me, like yeah. You know? I just, um, I just checked in the book really quick, and she says something like, "What if I just decided I was valuable and yes. that was it? Why should other people have a say? Right. I mean, as long as you're not, you know, like murdering people and like being a huge douchebag, like you know, you yeah. have value. Like you just, you're, you can exist. It's okay. Yeah. And we can all start using our voices, like." Like, a lot of the pushback she was getting was because, like, women aren't supposed to, you know, speak out and be loud and whatever. So, yeah, like you said, I feel like that modeled for me, like, using my voice and speaking up is kind of a political act. And Mm -hmm. by doing it more, you can be modeling for other people. And then hopefully, eventually, like, we won't, our voices won't be... Yeah. shut out as right. much Culture as will yeah. change. I know. I think at some point she even said, I was trying to find it, but I, I couldn't find what page, but she said something like she was willing to kind of sacrifice that for herself to be one of the first people mm-hmm. to write about some of these things so that other women could follow in her footsteps, mm-hmm. which would be very brave to do. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. And I really liked how she talked about her abortion. And, like, Mm -hmm. she talked about the privilege that goes along with that and how, like, those of us who are privileged are more able to, like, we have more accessibility to these things Mm -hmm. than people who aren't. And, like, 
and we're able able to cover it up too, yeah which exactly. is the problem like the reason it's so stigmatized is because the people who are marginalized are the ones that are like it's being publicized because they don't have the accessibility to like have it in a private way or like yeah. mm-hmm. I did like how she talked about thin women asking fat women, like, where do you get your confidence? Because Mm. I feel like I at least, like, see that a lot in, like, movies even or, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel like thin people sometimes think they're having good intentions when they say things to fat people like that, but it's actually underhanded. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like, as if they don't have value because they're fat and mm-hmm. they're like they don't deserve to be confident or something mm-hmm. like it was eye-opening I think coming from the perspective of somebody who's thin of how to like be more inclusive of fat people and to not like accidentally stigmatize them mm-hmm. and their fatness right and I like how she says like to just use the word fat to like reduce the stigma around that too because why why do we treat fat as if it's a bad right. word? It's that just to like qualify. inherently you don't have as much value if you're fat. Like that's how society treats it. Right. But it's yeah, it's it just a description. Just be neutral. Like tall, short. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how they gave all those different examples of thing, different things that thin people ask her. Mm-hmm. I thought that that kind of brought a realistic approach into. Obviously, we may not have that experience to it, but things that I was even thinking, oh, I don't know if I've personally done that, but I could definitely see many people doing that. And it's not intentional. They're not trying Mm -hmm. to make them feel bad about themselves. They think they're trying to be helpful, but really it comes across a lot differently Mm -hmm. from their perspective. And I thought that was was an interesting approach and perspective for sure. Yeah. She said the one quote she had towards the end was, just because you haven't experienced something doesn't make it not true. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the biggest issues today. Mm -hmm. And I felt like you just said, Marie, a lot of it was good for me to hear as somebody who isn't fat and who doesn't have, like, discrimination in that way. But then also it totally hit hard with me as, like, a female who Mm -hmm. is at the discrimination of men, like, on a daily basis, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, like, very... It stood out to me when she said that. Absolutely. I like that quote. What page was that on? 207. I had taken another note from page 207 about Mm -hmm. how she was talking about, like, when Patton Oswalt said, like, basically reiterated her and other women's points about, like, women in comedy and then like he got all this credit for saying it when like all the women had been saying it for years and had just been like rejected and dismissed yeah it's like oh wow we never thought of that like oh really (laughs) (laughs) remember when like a fat woman said it and you were like extremely violent Mm -hmm. and misogynistic towards her Oh my god, I was just shaking my head the entire time I'm reading these comments from all the trolls. Like, oh "Oh my god. I know. What is wrong with you? Like, after her publicly debating somebody about why rape is bad, and they both agreed on that, as if it needs to be a debate, like, the comments they're saying to her about, like, you can't even get raped, as if rape, like, as if she wants that. You can't even get raped. You're too fat. And, like, shit like that. Like, what? Like, rapists don't discriminate based on body size. Ugh. Like, that's not and like it works. It was horrifying to read all of that. Yeah. Like, and just to think that there were that many people who would say that sort of yeah. thing. It was awful. I thought it was so smart of her, though, that she used that to prove her point, basically. Because yes. mm-hmm. she's like, okay, you're saying there's no, like, misogynism problems with misogyny and comedy but then like the reaction to a woman suggesting suggesting that there is misogyny in comedy like all these people are saying like violent misogynistic things to her it yeah. was just like so Hello. crazy like why yeah. are you so stupid like, duh, you're doing it like you're doing what she said mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's crazy 
I was amazed, though, about the one who apologized after yeah. she pulled him out and then even did the interview with her. Yeah. I would be interesting, interested in going on um, This American Life and trying to find that and yeah. listen to it. Mm-hmm. Just to see, I just was shocked to actually hear yeah. that someone felt remorseful, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad that that's a surprising thing in our society. But it was good for him to yeah. see what he did was wrong and try to change. Mm-hmm. That's the whole problem with our current yeah. society is that men and people of privilege are too defensive to admit that they're wrong. Like, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. whole problem. Did anybody watch her? I went on YouTube and watched. I didn't go through the whole thing, but I watched like the first half of her debate with no, the Canadian. No, I don't think I could watch no. it. I would get like, oh, I don't know, like, yeah. Man, oh, yeah. like the, whole, from it. the whole time I'm just cringing at what that guy was saying. Mm-hmm. Like, you're an idiot. Yeah, but it was I, interesting. I do want to watch it. I um, didn't finish the book until <laughs> earlier today, so I didn't have a lot of time to follow up with a lot of these things. But I want to. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing. Like, I can I say my rating now? Yeah, yeah. you can do whatever you want. I gave it a four out of five, and part of the reason I didn't give it five stars is because parts of it were like I also didn't finish it till this morning, and parts of it were a little slow for me. Like mm-hmm. there were some yeah. parts that I was like, yeah. yes, like totally into it, like wanted to know everything she was gonna say and like take it all in, and then other parts of it I was like. Uh, I don't know. I'm not like, it wasn't what I thought was like, to me, it wasn't relevant to the main mm-hmm. plot line of right. the yeah. book, mm-hmm. you know? I did think like for me, it started out like from the beginning, I loved it and I was like laughing out loud. I thought it was mm-hmm. so funny and then it did get a little like heavier towards mm-hmm. the end. And, a little memoir. Like, yeah, a little more like slow and not always, like, as funny. I also rated it a 4 out of 5. I still really liked it, but, yeah, some of it was a little slow for me, mm-hmm. too. I also gave it a 4 out of 5. Um, I took a sizable break, not on purpose, but same thing. Once I hit, like, a certain point in the book, I just wasn't as eager to keep going. But then once I did, I sat down because I, you know, you have to finish mm-hmm. it. So yeah. I sat down and made myself read, and I still found myself enjoying it. I just... Yeah. I don't know. I felt like I could take a break a little bit. Um, but I definitely really liked it, and I like her, and I can't wait to watch the series yeah. and, like, read more of her articles and stuff, too. I rated it a five. I think, for me, the first was just that language and the writing style, and it really hooked mm-hmm. me. And Same. I finished it in two days. So wow. I was Yeah. I was done by Tuesday, and I'm like, wow. This is great. I have all week because I'm always reading it the day of book club. I know. I saw your review on Goodreads, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, she's already done." Yeah, yeah. yeah she wrote a review. I was really yeah. proud of myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also gave it a five. I just, yeah, I just really liked it. Like, I liked how she wrote. I liked most of the things she had to say. Just like really insightful, and just made me feel like seen as a mm-hmm. woman I guess yeah yeah I really liked it I can't wait I to read her uh the witches yeah. are coming yes. Yes. yes I did want to say too the part of when she was talking about being on the airplane that was like oh, really yeah. eye-opening for me yes. because like I don't like going on airplanes and I'm always extremely uncomfortable and I'm even like oh I don't have enough leg room <laughs> or like being whiny about how uncomfortable I am, but I'm a small person, like, my legs are not long, like, I'm thin, so, like, I can't even imagine being fat and not even, like, fitting comfortably in the chair, and then all of the harassment and discrimination you're getting from the other passengers, Mm -hmm. it just, like, it sounds absolutely horrible. And I just have a lot of empathy for people in that situation. And I can't imagine, like, how she described, like, quietly telling the people who work on the airplane, like, can I have a seatbelt extender? Mm -hmm. And, like, trying to get on the plane early so that people aren't annoyed with her for if they have to get up and she has to go past them. It was just, like, really eye-opening, and I have a lot of compassion for people who are not as small as me and it just and how she said too that like people get mad at the fat person but it's not their fault it's the 
first the airline's fault for just trying to get all this extra revenue by cramming people into these tiny seats and consumers who want cheap tickets like mm-hmm. it's not the fat person's fault they didn't ask for that right. it's mm-hmm. just like how our society functions and capitalism that's like making the situation not accessible mm-hmm. for fat people I had heard that same issue on the podcast She's All Fat, which if you haven't listened, it's amazing. You should definitely listen to it. It was reminding me of that, too. Yeah. I love that podcast. April and Sophie were the co-hosts. I think now it's just Sophie, but um, they're both fat millennial women, and they talk a lot about like the intersections between fatness and feminism and like greater political social issues at large, and they talk a lot on that show about... like issues with airlines and like amusement parks like Mm. movie theaters buying clothing like buying clothes how like there's not even an option for certain people and their body sizes and like that's not fair you know like the whole point of like the body positivity movement is just equality for all bodies it's like and that's their whole point on their show is that it's not even necessarily about like you as a person accepting me and like my fatness, but it's just like acknowledging that again, body autonomy, everyone should have the same rights no matter what size your body is. Yeah, like right. you should have the same. Like I'm still a human being. Yeah, I you still have deserve worth. like a baseline of respect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. You have value and all the same things should be accessible to you. Right. Mm-hmm. They give a lot of advice on that podcast for like thin or, um, what did they call it? Straight-sized Straight allies of yeah. fat people yeah. to, like, speak up. If you're at a place like that and you notice, like, either a specific incident where a fat person is having trouble, like, getting on a ride or whatever, getting the seat they need, like, speak up as a thin person to the employees or staff and say, like, hey, this really is unfair. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing about this to make this accessible for all people? So, like... As somebody who is privileged to use that to speak up, because as fucked up as it is, like, you with your straight-sized body are going to get listened to more seriously than the fat person trying to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is making me feel like I need to write some letters, because I know I would call myself, like, a fairly average-sized person, like, height and weight or whatever, and there are certain stores I shop in that I'm buying, like, a small top and then there's certain stores I'm buying a large top and I always think to myself if I have to buy a large how does anybody buy Mm -hmm. clothes here because I wouldn't call myself like a super um, fat person by any means Um, but I it really made me aware when certain stores like I have to buy a large shirt nobody else can even shop here it's Mm -hmm. like a thin person store kind of and um I always, I always think that, but I've never done anything about it. So maybe I should be writing to some of these companies like, I don't think I should be wearing a large or you should have mm-hmm. different sizing for more people because that's really exclusive. Like yeah. who can shop yeah. at just like women's places. sizing in general. Yeah. Where you're like yes. one end of the extreme like spectrum at mm-hmm. one store and then the other store is just completely different and there's no like standard sizing at all. Yeah. It's just a nightmare trying to like figure out what size you are. Yeah. Yes. I remember them saying on She's All Fat that you can, like, if you're going in a store, you can ask to talk to the buyer, and you can say, like, if you had this available in XYZ size, I would shop here, but I can't because your clothes don't work for me, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, like, oh. like you said, you can send emails, and then if they hear enough consumers saying, like, we want your sizing to be more inclusive then it could make a difference Hmm. and maybe they would start changing up their sizing and the clothing that they offer that makes me think of um you guys probably are aware of it but airy like their campaigns are featuring like more body types and people with like disabilities or um and they don't photoshop anymore and it's just really refreshing to see and it starts to normalize it and you're like oh like this like human bodies look like human bodies they don't necessarily look blurred and airbrushed and like no pimples like no stretch marks or anything it's just really refreshing yeah and although their bottom line is to make money it's still helping yeah right and again going back to the representation like if 
you are not the same size as the model in the picture, which at most places, like most people aren't the same size as the model. <laughs> no. Like you no. can't tell what that's going to look like when you put it on. Mm-hmm. And then it's just that lack of representation. Like we internalize that and it reinforces the fact that like, if you're not the same size as a model or if you're not thin, then like you have less value mm-hmm. and we're not going to represent you. Yeah. And like, like you said, obviously their bottom line is to like make money, but the good news is I feel like people our age, millennials and younger, like we shop our values now. This is like the first time I feel like that's ever happened, like in Mm -hmm. our culture that like we are going to put our money into companies that like we feel are representing our values. Yeah. And so like now in this day and age, if you want to make money and you're like, you have to look at us like millennials. We're like at the age where we are the target consumers. Like we are the people who are taking up the space. Like you have to listen to us if you want to keep your company going. Like I know it's a long process, but I feel like it's finally going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There's sure. always articles that millennials are killing this <laughs> yeah. and that. And it's because of that exact you same thing. You mean your business didn't adapt? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you meant to say? Yeah. Like, right. Hmm, are you being a responsive and reflective <laughs> yeah. like, company? Were you trying to, like, sell us diamonds mined from, like, children in Africa, probably? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we kind of don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, speaking of that, I saw one thing that it was, like, the headline was something like, millennials are spending so much money on their pet food. <laughs> like, they're treating their pets like they're children. And then there's comments that was, like, they yeah, are. we just don't yeah. want to feed them the crap that yeah. is, like, the main food. And it's, like, also, like you guys said, I do kind of treat my pets like they're my they babies. Are my children. <laughs> so it's, like, I think that actually is true. But... <laughs> But, yeah, like, we care about our pets, and we want to put things in their bodies that are, like, right. good for them right. and yes. ethically sources. Mm-hmm. Right. right. times so have true. changed. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've learned a lot from generations past behind us, you know, baby boomers, and mm-hmm. there's a lot that, we, that we've learned from them to yeah. move forward, but I feel that we also get a lot of, you know, critiques from the baby boomers of mm-hmm. things that we're mm-hmm. doing. And things that you were talking about just now, it's making me think of one of my coworkers is telling me, I came to a meeting with two bottles, like drinks. One was coffee, one was water. And she says, I'm going to start calling you a millennial. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, that's first in my head I'm thinking, yeah, I am a millennial, but then you're also... You, you don't have a positive yeah, comment there. Like a derogatory like a yeah, yeah. Derogatory yes. spin on it. And I told her, I was like, well, I just have to stay hydrated, and I need my caffeine. I probably carry four more bottles with me, too. But And she we had this conversation about how she was saying that when she was younger, she never had to bring water. She never would drink water, like, with her. What? And I'm thinking so to myself. Like toothpaste <laughs> I'm not trying to live my life. Yes. (laughs) And it's just, you know, it's that whole perspective on what. It's like that thing, like, we suffered, so everyone else should suffer, too. Yeah. Which is really lame. Yeah. um, Well, society is what it is because of you. So absolutely. Like, make our ethical consumer choices and leave us alone because you ruined everything. Yeah. Yeah. Someone at my work said that to me, too, though, and he's. He's nice, you know, he's pleasant, but he's right. a boomer, and I ha- feel like I always bring my water bottle in, and I have my coffee, because I like water, and I like coffee, and yeah. he's like, oh, you have so many drinks. I'm like, it's two drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, like a gin and tonic, and like, <laughs> <laughs> a bottle of wine in my bag. Like, yeah. I didn't want to have to tell my coworker that I also had another bottle in my bag. <laughs> because the water at my work, it the water just doesn't taste very good. Yeah, bring your own. So yeah. I bring, we have a water filtering system, but I just don't like the way it tastes. So I usually bring a second tumbler with me so that then I can pour it into mm-hmm. my one that I have. So I actually have three that I have every day. <laughs> and then, you know, if I bring a smoothie, too, then we can just add more. <laughs> but I didn't want to share all that information. Then she would have 
I don't know. Well, <laughs> I think it's totally good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was normal. Like you have your water. And yeah. I like thought coffee so too. Or your tea. Yeah. And we didn't get. I mean, it was in a meeting, so we were sitting down. It was a very short conversation or short comment, but I wasn't going to go into it very much. But <laughs> I just think, why would you just let yourself be dehydrated? Right. Like you're actually doing yourself harm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, also, unfortunately, like, that's how they were raised, too. Like, I think we've talked about this before. They were just instilled to, like, have this, like, crazy work ethic Mm -hmm. for the higher-ups, even if, like, they didn't get anything in return and just, like, suck it up and, like, grin and bear it type of thing. Mm -hmm. Or weren't we talking about women, like, cleaning the house and things like that at one point? Like, they were just ingrained in them to, like, always have Mm -hmm. a clean house and... That they're the ones expected to do mm-hmm. it, and like there was no reason to question it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, like now we've questioned everything, and that also goes back to <laughs> yeah. shrill. Like this whole thing, like everything you in your minds had decided was true. Like, hey, it's not, and a lot of it heavily needs to be evaluated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like we're not down with the expectations that you put on different genders. Like, mm-hmm. so we're not gonna do that. <laughs> Well, it's even the title of the book, yeah. Shrill. Like, yeah. Hillary Clinton, they're calling yeah. her Shrill. And That's it's just, just not... It's just not a man's voice. She doesn't <laughs> she have that shrill, shrill voice. Shrill. It's just people not liking women I didn't and think in power. Lindy West was Shrill either. I was no. like, this is all making sense to me. This is mm-hmm. very obvious. This isn't like she's complaining about something stupid. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I was having a conversation with... A man about this book <laughs> and he saw the title of the book and then we got into kind of a debate because he tried to say that he didn't think shrill was like a negative gendered word and I was like well it's only used like have you ever heard the word shrill used for a man and he was like no, because women's voices are high pitched and men's voices aren't. Oh, and so I was like, oh okay, please tell me then what would be the equivalent word right. for a man then who had like an unnerving voice? There isn't one. At least nothing negative. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is a specific word used for women that to, is like, inherently negative yeah. and dismissive. Oh my god. What did you say? Did you mic drop? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how don't the conversation I think I got like real fired up and at that point I was kind of just like yelling and was like <laughs> being shrill yeah exactly <laughs> so I don't know I don't know if I got through but like it's just so frustrating because like we know that this is totally a gendered thing and it mm-hmm. is totally a way of like putting, putting women in their place and dismissing women and keeping men in power and making women powerless but even like quote feminist men are still not getting it right i mean case in point like brian's review on why did brian even read the book yeah (laughs) let's ask the question here why did he even pick up that book to read it i know he clearly knew what to expect yeah so while i love that there's more discourse about this i love lindy's book and that she's writing about it but like we still have a lot of work to do yeah mm-hmm. absolutely anybody else have any <laughs> final thoughts about the book did we forget anything i don't think so i just want like half the book on my wall like in framed quotes mm-hmm. that's my final yeah. thought i guess about yeah the book. yeah <laughs> i wrote as one of the last pages, 258, I wrote, the whole page is inspiring. I think it was the last, like, the last main page of her writing. But, like you said, there were lots of quotes I wrote down from different pages, too. Oh, I love the part where she goes, I am busy, my time is not a public commodity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Especially for, like, someone shy and who is very ingrained to, like, just smile and laugh when someone says something, even if it's problematic. Like, that's mm-hmm. such a... Thing I wished I did more. Me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, even her last line, like, let's build it better. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I really enjoyed that. Me too. And I like just the permission to just say no. Like, mm-hmm. I want to start mm-hmm. doing that when, yeah, in circumstances where normally I would just like be quiet or laugh at like a cringy comment because mm-hmm. I didn't want to make waves. Like, just be like, no. Like, you yeah. don't even have to give an explanation, just be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, do, do so, like, I want to say something, like, do right. something to mm-hmm. show that I 
don't agree and won't put up with it. Mm-hmm. We all need to do that, I think. <laughs> I At least I do. Absolutely. Yeah. So do we all recommend the book? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Literally. Definitely. Okay. Does anyone need a refill on wine? I could probably use Actually, one. Actually, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. There's still yes. some left. Great. Right. Right. that conversation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what do you guys when... think of the wine tonight? Uh, the like Fante it. is always really good, and I actually really like the new one that we tried a lot, yeah. too. I wish I had them side by side so that I could taste we them. Should oh, we, should. Yeah. we should do that next time. We should do like a flight tasting thing. Yeah. I, I mean, a flight that. of two bottles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Still. Lauren, you're, you're brilliant. Thanks. We just need to have double the wine glasses, and then we can just yes. have both. Us Ooh, our Stuff with the wine bottle. I don't think any of us are opposed to having more than one drink, as we just talked about. <laughs> Absolutely not. So sure, I'll do two wine glasses. Great. So who did anyone like one of the wines like a lot better than the other one? I, I just think so. I don't know. I love Ferrante. I, I feel like I always default to that brand, so mm-hmm. I'm probably biased. But I, I really like for me. I really like both of them. Yeah, I think I might have liked the Bumble and Bloom one better, actually. Maybe. I, love I chilled that one, so I don't know if this reason would have been. Because I feel like it does make a difference if it's like room yeah, temperature. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And I, I would say no. definitely drink both of them again. Me too. Well, I, and I will drink Bronte again, <laughs> <laughs> as you mentioned. But, yeah, I like the Bumble and Bloom, too. And this is something that listeners will learn about us very quickly, is that we, in our book club appreciate the sweet <laughs> the sweetest <laughs> and whitest <laughs> of wines mm-hmm. so we're reasonable yeah. sweet red yeah, yeah. Sweet a good red. sweet red yeah, yeah. semi-sweet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know I just I'm not really feeling the really dry wine. we will not be partaking mm-hmm. of any Merlots or Cabernets I think yes. Marie has a little bit more of oh. a I have a very diverse palette, palette than what we have yeah because you will drink dry wines won't you yeah, I drink Cabernets oh. and Rieslings and Sweet Reds and Reds and there's yeah. very few wines that I dislike. I think it's Chardonnay that I really dislike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, like I get that. I don't like Chardonnay either. Chardonnay. Yeah. I was it's trying to expand my white palette because I felt like I only knew Riesling. <laughs> or like white blend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what else I like. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to expand and then I tried that one and I was like, yeah, this is a bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio okay. is a very like sweet, mm-hmm. like growing. I feel like that's why we probably all like sweet so much because the grapes like, here yeah. do best when they're yeah. the sweeter ones. It's the or microclimate something. on Lake Erie. Yeah. It makes for great sweet wines, <laughs> which I am happy I to it. have nearby. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, five out of yeah, five. Five out of five, yes. Bronte Riesling, five out of five for <laughs> Bumble and Bloom. Yes. We recommend I agree. the book and we recommend the wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So, has anybody been reading any other books recently? I have not had time to read any other books. Um, I already said earlier I just finished this book today. I do have a lot on my to-read list, and I'm open to any other ones if (laughs) anyone else has been reading anything good. I've been listening to audiobooks, so I'm currently listening to... The Queen of Nothing, which is the third yes. in a series. I know Lauren had me read this, although I guess I didn't read it. I listened to the whole series. But it's the Folk of the Air series, and this is the final one, and uh, it's a fantasy series, so I've really liked it so I'm far. I'm glad, because I had them all rated as, like, five, so I'm like, oh, God, please enjoy it so much. <laughs> yes, I mean, I wanted to finish, for sure, so I'm, like, a third of the way through the third and final book, so as soon as I'm done, I'm calling Lauren and yes. <laughs> talking about it. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I actually read a lot since the last time we met. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and it was an interview with Atticus. Do you guys know? It's a poet. He's one of my favorite oh, you talk, poets. Yeah, I, heard, I know him because you've talked oh. about him before. <laughs> well, 
in the interview, he was talking about how he had four books. And I was like, what? I only know about one of them. <laughs> so I went and I got, I went on Amazon and I bought every book that he has. Ooh, so nice. I finished all of his books. I highly recommend them. Um, I reread Give a Shit, but then wrote notes as I was reading it of like takeaways that I wanted to as I'm moving I'm starting to think like what can I do this is like perfect time to try and be a minimalist which I feel that I'm not (laughs) Um, and then I'm currently reading right now I'm doing the reread of Fever Dream I'm excited to hear what you have to say yeah so I'm playing my goal was to get it done today but that didn't happen so that'll be like a few extra days, and then I'm re I'm reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I'm starting the series. <laughs> I'm so cool. happy. I'm like, that. That's Those are a great. fun book series. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never read it before, so it's so popular with yeah, kids. Yeah, and you're a teacher. Yeah. You need to read it. Yeah, they're yeah. great. <laughs> I just read The Silent Patient, and Ooh. we really oh, need to talk about yes. it. Marie hasn't read it, right? No, I have not. I have so much to say, so <laughs> we need to find a time that we can talk about it. Yes. Um, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It was, like, so fat. Like, I just mm-hmm. could not put it down. Like, I had no what was happening. I kept, like, my eyes kept, like, watering. I was, like, about to cry <laughs> at a bunch of parts because it was, like, sometimes I get like that when I'm, like, scared or creeped out and I like want to cry like, yes yeah but it's not crying like no, it's just, it's like, just a like, rea- like a yeah, physical reaction yeah and my like I hate that I do that I know I'm like reading it on the couch and my eyes are getting really wide and they're like watering and my partner next to me is being like what are you doing like what's wrong with you but yeah it was definitely like a very interesting read totally Mm -hmm. different than anything else I've ever read before Hmm. but I would say it's definitely one that you should read if you're interested definitely I'm gonna (laughs) buy it with my book club book that we choose so that then yeah you'll have both I can't guarantee that I will have it done by the next book club but Maybe the next two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you guys know when I'm done. We need to Great. schedule in like extra time to just talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's so much to talk about. For like about. a special edition. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like a bonus. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yes. I like it. Um, so I read a few books since our last meeting. Um, I read one I liked was The Woman in the Window. I finally got around. Oh, yes. I love that. That one's good. I like blew through it. Like I was like, oh my god, like what's happening? So like, um, and I also saw it's gonna be a movie. Yes, mm-hmm. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah. Did you guys watch the trailer? Yes, it looks no. so creepy. I didn't really like the trailer. Really? Because I literally watched the trailer the night that I finished it, and I was oh. like, this isn't like the. Movie. <laughs> 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 and I had my partner watch it with me too, and he was like, it looks so creepy, and I was like, I didn't think the book was like. It wasn't, like, supernatural creepy, though, so... No. I don't know. I'm still interested to see the movie. Yeah, I want to see but, it. And then I also read um, Circe by Madeline Miller, and oh. I gave that five stars. I really enjoyed it. So it's, like, the Greek myths, but it has, like, a... I would call it feminist in how it was portrayed, and it just... Um, I don't know. I just had a really good feeling. I liked how she wrote. It's a little long, but I uh, would recommend it. Oh, nice. Cool. I think I have that on my want-to-read list. So are we ready to pick next month's book? Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so Lynn was in charge of the book genre. Yeah, so it's actually not that different, I guess, from our current book. <laughs> I just have been like super engaged right now in the democratic primaries that are going on and like Obviously, R.I.P. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, that's why I wore my shirt I, today. But also, yeah, like I was heartbroken that yes. she mm-hmm. ended up dropping out. And again, this goes back to feminism. If she was a man, she would be winning right now because mm-hmm. she's the best one, clearly. Anyway. <laughs> So I picked politics for the genre for this time. It could be like anything, because even this book is like, the trill is technically yeah. a politic yeah. book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
I just am really feeling the political spirit right now. So I have so many already on my to-read list in this genre because, again, I'm like very interested in politics in general. But I ultimately decided on Yes, We Still Can by oh. Dan Pfeiffer. I love Dan Pfeiffer. Me too. So it has a little um, subtitle. It's Yes, We Still Can and still is in parentheses. Politics in the Age of Obama, Ooh. Twitter, and Trump. Oh. So... Dan Pfeiffer is one of the hosts of Pod Save America through Crooked Media, which Lee and I are obsessed with. Like, I listen to them religiously. Um, I love him. He was Obama's former communications director. Like, he worked really closely with the Obama White House and stuff, and now he's, like, a co-host of this um, liberal, like, left-wing media um, source. But so... He has written two books, but this was his first one. And here's a little synopsis. Pfeiffer was one of Obama's first hires when he decided to run for president and was at his side through two presidential campaigns and six years in the White House. Using never-before-heard stories and behind-the-scenes anecdotes, Yes, We Still Can examines how Obama succeeded despite Twitter trolls, Fox News, and their fake news, and a Republican Party that lost its collective mind. (laughs) As irreverent, no BS, take on the crazy politics of our time, Yes, We Still Can, is a must-read for everyone who is disturbed by Trump, Mrs. Obama, and is marching, calling, and hoping for a better future for the country. So I like it's like speaking directly to me. <laughs> Good choice. Thanks. Okay, I actually had this book on my to read list for a little about a little while. Um, it's Catch and Kill. Yeah, oh, yeah. I almost picked that. Too. Me too. Lies, spies, and a conspiracy to protect predators by Ronan Farrow. Which um, did you guys know he's Woody Allen's son? Yes. yes. Oh, I, just I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I, and coincidentally, he is Crooked Media of Pod Save America co-host John Lovett. Yes. Oh. Back to Pod Save America. Sorry. Nice. No, you're fine. Yeah, because I looked him up, I guess, because he, like, everything I was reading about this was, like, super highly rated, and I was like, mm-hmm. what's this guy's deal? Like, I saw he was, like, a investigative journalist, basically, and, like, yeah, I, re- I didn't realize he was... Woody Allen's son. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has a very long description, but I'll just read you a little bit of it. So it says, This is the untold story of the exotic tactics of surveillance and intimidation deployed by wealthy and connected men to threaten journalists, evade accountability, and silence victims of abuse. And it's the story of the women who risked everything to expose the truth and spark a global movement. Both a spy thriller and a meticulous work of investigative journalism, Catch and Kill breaks devastating new stories about the rampant abuse of power and sheds far-reaching light on investigations that shook the culture. Yes. I really want to read this book. Me too. Me too. It's also noted as it, it's in the true crime genre, too. Mm-hmm. Which oh, that is, makes sense. Oh, yeah. great. Makes me even more interested. I love true crime. I can go. Sorry. Okay. I'm just looking for my book. It's fine. It's hard to go back and I know, forth. yeah. yeah. Goodreads. Um, <laughs> so, my pick is called You Never Forget Your First, Yay. a biography of George Washington by Alexis Coe. Love her. Um, I'm obsessed with Alexis Coe. She has a podcast um, called No Man's Land, and it's a. We might have talked about it before, like either on the podcast or just familiar. at mm-hmm. book club, but it's about like women who. Um, were basically like written out of history and whose stories mm. haven't been told and who women who like broke the rules essentially but it's so good but so she I think she also has a podcast about the presidents that I have not listened to yet mm-hmm. but so she wrote this book about George Washington um, it's the description is that she takes a closer look at our first president and finds he's not quite the man we remember he was raised by a struggling single mother, um, blah, blah, blah. After he married Martha, everything changed. Um, Coe focuses on his activities off the battlefield like espionage and propaganda. After an unlikely victory in the Revolutionary War, he shocked the world by giving up power only to learn his, his compatriots wouldn't allow it. 
And then back on his plantation, the man who fought for liberty finally confronted his greatest hypocrisy, what to do with the hundreds of men, women, and children he owned before succumbing to a brutal death. Alexis Co. combines rigorous research and unsentimental storytelling, finally separating the man from the legend. That's very interesting. Good. That was originally one of my picks. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. I've been wanting to. It just came out in mm-hmm. February yeah. oh, 2020. Really? Yeah, oh, so right. it's like brand oh. new. But ever since I heard she was writing it, I was like, I have to read mm-hmm. this. <laughs> so my pick is. Why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Yes. And I first heard about that from Emma Watson's Me Goodreads oh, yeah. um, book club, mm-hmm. our sh- shared our shared shelf. And um, it's I'll just to read a little bit of the description. Award-winning journalist Rini at Lodge wrote about her frustration with the way that discussions of race and racism in Britain were being led by those who weren't affected by it. She posted a piece on her blog entitled Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race that led to this book, exploring issues from eradicated black history to the political purpose of white dominance, whitewashed feminism to the inextricable link between class and race, she offers a timely and essential new framework for how to see, acknowledge, and counter racism. So I feel like this is timely, and yeah. I've had it on my to-read list um, for a little while. So Same. Yeah, I saw it from Emma Watson, too, and I've mm-hmm. had it on my list. I'm excited. Yeah. I forgot it was on my list because I can only look at my list chronologically. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, I chose Why We're Polarized. That's on my to-read list, too. Is it? So this one says, Discover how American politics became a toxic system, why we participate in it, and what it means for our future. From journalist, political commentator, and co-founder of Vox, Ezra Klein, after Election Day 2016, both supporters and opponents of the soon-to-be president hail his victory as a historically unprecedented event. A revolutionary book that will change how you look at politics and perhaps at yourself. Nice. And it's by Ezra Klein. I just mm-hmm. heard him on a podcast recently. He was talking about this book. But yeah, on that's right. Another Crooked Media I podcast <laughs> with friends I guess like these. I did know about the book. Yeah. yeah clearly, Lynn and I are <laughs> um, writers on <laughs> Crooked Media listeners. <laughs> I'm excited about oh all these books. I know. Yeah, I want to read them all. So good. There was another book that I was looking at, but I changed my mind. I kept going back and forth because it wasn't that nonfiction mm-hmm. view to politics. Mm-hmm. It was more of like a, not fictional, but it was more of a story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want it. I'm like, then mine's going to get picked and it's not going to be the intention of the genre. Right. <laughs> that was but, but I do want to read, I might bring it up again. Or, it? So the book, it's about this family and they're of they're from a different country and they're traveling from different states and then they talk about their journey of just being detained and oh. facing immigration oh. and it it hits a lot of the different immigration hmm. sounds really good laws nice. and stuff I can tell you what it's called I was just yes. thinking I read that red white and royal blue oh. Oh. and that I guess that was fictional, but it was also political because, mm-hmm. like, it was they were gay and it was the son of the female mm-hmm. first female president, oh. and they acted as if she had gotten elected in 2016 instead of like Trump. Oh, and then like oh. the um, gay son of the the Queen of England, and just like how kind of they navigated their relationship and like um, the world's response to it. And his mom was also up for like re-election of the presidency and it was just really interesting. That sounds good. That does sound good. Yeah. I almost I like picked it. a fiction book. I think it's been picked for our book club before. Um, mm-hmm. Charlotte Walsh likes to win. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's about this woman like running for office, but mm. it's fiction. Yeah. But I've been wanting to read it, but I didn't end up picking it. Right. Oh, and that book was called Lost Children Archive. Oh, nice. If you guys want to yeah. okay. look at that. Now I'm looking up that. Okay, I have my wheel ready to go here. I'm so excited. I know. I'm excited about our choices. Every single one of these. So, are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Okay, it's spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. Why we're polarized. There we go. Okay, it wasn't yours, Lee. Yeah. (laughs) 
Maybe I'll buy mine too. I'm gonna make the goal idea. to read two of these That's by next time. Idea. I don't know if it's realistic or not though, since like today I just finished the book for today. <laughs> right. I already yeah. own mine. I bought it as soon as he um, published it. Oh, so oh, maybe you? I'll try and read it too. Nice. Exciting. Hey. Cool. This is like, per- like this was exactly what I intended. So good job good. with yeah, the book. Good. Yeah. This is like, okay. perfect for the moment. And that's, I knew that was your intention with but the But it would have been fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> any of those books right. would be good. And we don't know when this podcast is coming out. Yeah. The pod- yes. primaries will probably be long over. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. But more for our own yeah. reading. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Just- so have any of uh, you guys read Shrill? Um, and if you did, what did you think about it? Leave us a comment on our Drink a Book Pod Instagram, or you can email us at drinkabookpod at gmail. Let us know if you guys have been personally victimized by the patriarchy. And also, do you have a favorite book you want us to read or a genre idea that you think we should um, consider for next time? Uh, Let us know. Also, even if you have a cat, let us know. We love cats. (laughs) Please tag us in photos of them so you can look at them and cry and just love them forever. Um, Yeah. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so overall... We recommend Shrill. We recommend both Rieslings, if that's something that you like. (laughs) Right. Five out of five, for sure. Um, And next time, we'll talk about why we're polarized. So make sure you read that so you can follow along next month. Hi, listeners. This is Editing Lauren again. I just wanted to clarify that I know we literally just picked politics and why we're polarized for our next book. But this was before we all got put into lockdown because of COVID way back in March. Um, And we were all kind of stressed out about everything. And so instead, we decided to visit an old favorite and we read Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So our next episode in January will be about Harry Potter, not why we're polarized. Also, P.S. We are not here for the turfy comments from J.K. Rowling, but we are definitely here for The Boy Who Lived. So talk to you soon. Bye. Here's to another book club. Cheers! Cheers. Cheers.